Hello and welcome to the How CMOs Commit podcast. I'm Margaret Malloy, Global Chief Marketing Officer of Siegel & Gale. This is a podcast to explore how the world's top CMOs are building their brands and the professional commitments they are making as leaders. This podcast is a recording of our Future of Branding series. From the decisions facing CMOs to the commitments they are forging, the conversations are uniquely vulnerable and strategic. Please be sure to listen to the end when I provide my reflections. This is how CMOs commit. Hello and welcome to Advertising Week 2023. This is the Future of Branding CMO panel. I am your host, Margaret Malloy, Global Chief Marketing Officer at Siegel & Gale. Siegel & Gale is a preeminent brand strategy, design and experience firm. For over 50 years, we have been helping many of the world's leading brands build their brands. Today, it seems that the media and marketing industry is obsessed with artificial intelligence. When it comes to brand building, I'm curious about what brand leaders across various industries are thinking about AI and, as important, what they are doing now. So, I have convened a panel of leaders to explore just that. Speakers, as I introduce you, please answer this question in one word. First, welcoming Jason Beckley, Chief Customer, Marketing and Digital Officer at Ted Baker. And the question is, as a brand leader, when you hear AI, what one word comes to mind? Morning, Margaret. Nice to be here. Gosh, one word. Okay. I'm going to go with liberating. Liberating. Next, we have Chris Wood, the Head of Brand and Marketing at First Direct. Hi, Margaret. Great to be here. Um, opportunity is going to be my word. Okay. Rachel Fairley is the Global VP of Brand Marketing and Experience at HPE. Hi. So nice to be here. My word is hype. Hype. And Christoph Nierneck is the Global CMO and Managing Director for Western Europe at Avon. Christoph. Hi, Margaret. Thanks for uh, having me. Um, my word is uh, nervous. So against that backdrop of four very interesting words, Jason, let's begin the conversation. You said liberating. Tell us why and perhaps frame it in the context of how do you define AI? Sounds like it's going to be a debate, Margaret, rather than a panel. But, um, you know, it's liberating for me because uh, I'm, a, I'm a brand digital CMO. And so computer learning for me is really helping us optimize our channel efficiency on our website and in our other channels. Um, it's really shaping or optimizing the experience based on customer preferences and the stream and the point of access that they're coming onto our sites. And that means... It makes our sites far more efficient um, without our intervention. And that means that I need to focus my team on a different topic, which is generating traffic. And, and the great thing about that is it kind of turns the tide 
away from the last decade of sort of the drudgery of performance marketing, of chasing people around the internet, trying to get them to shop off your site. And it means now we're really focused on pulling people into our site because of what we believe in and because of how amazing our brand is and how amazing our products are. And for me, that feels really exciting. It allows us to really get to know the consumer and to build an experience for them. We all know the art of brand is to serve the individual rather than to serve the mass. And it means I can let the machine learning part of it deal with the commercial side and really use the brand marketing part of it to put a great show on. And I find that a major win for brands, actually. Jason, can you give us a tangible example at Ted Baker? Yeah, I mean, at the moment, email, which used to, was, was fast becoming one of the most boring communication channels because all it was really doing is advertising what we had in the warehouse. And it wasn't really trying to attract you because of values or because of um, excitement about the product or about the imagery or about the, what the brand stood for. Whereas now email has a different rule. E- email is really there to get people interested in our brand and bring them to our website because we know that the machine learning, once they're there, can do the conversion for us. So it sort of has changed the dynamic quite a lot in how we interact with the consumer through that channel. And how do you balance this sort of improved efficiency and reduction in drudgery with brand building? Is there a role for AI in that component? At the moment, we are seeing brand building as very much where the human element comes in, as where we deal in the world of the battle for hearts and minds, where we're looking for emotional resonance and emotional reaction. So we stay away from the big glamour acts. You know, we're not building a metaverse store. We're not doing the things that might be, that Rachel's going to tell us about, more on the spectrum of hype. Um, We're using it to, to drive efficiency right now and really putting our creativity and our humanity and our emotive resonance in the hands of our marketeer to go and attract people into our brand. Excellent example, Jason. So Chris, same line of questioning for you, but you said you saw AI as an opportunity. Mm. Why an opportunity? Uh, change in the broader sense, I think, is a fantastic opportunity. It feels to me like, you know, AI has been part of the conversation for oh so long now, but only actually in recent months is it coming to, to bear to the fore where, where I feel me and my team can put this into actionable, valuable uh, outputs. Um, you know, whether I think about the efficiencies it can create, the speed we can do things, the resource it can free up, the better customer experiences it can create, I, I, I just see opportunity, potential opportunity through all of those things. Uh, I think the real challenge is, uh, is working out where the opportunity sits now and how we leverage that. So you seemed very optimistic in a future-leaning sense. Is there anything you're doing that's giving you data to support that uh, positive uh, intent going forward? Um, I mean, we're very much at the embryonic stage. Uh, if I think about AI, it is being primarily used, similar to Jason's point, for that kind of data crunching, processing, optimization, and, and has a fantastic role to play there. Um we do see commercial returns as a consequence of it. Now, that might be in the work itself that it's doing, but importantly, and also the time it frees up for the marketing team to do other things that in themselves drive value. So in, in isolation, might be touch and go, but in a broader sense, 
I really think we will we will drive commercial value from this. It might not just be through the implementation of AI itself. And any concerns in your industry regarding that? <laughs> Uh, absolutely, absolutely. Um, you know, we work in a regulated industry. Um, customer data, very personal first party data is at the heart of that. So, uh, you know, if I think about AI, one of the real challenges, particularly if we lean towards creative outputs, um, you know, is how does regulation deal with that? How do we, um, you know, what layer of control and checks and balances do we need an organization to layer on top of that? I, I, I struggle to see a time when near term uh, and, and maybe further out where we can let it run full gas by itself, you know, from end to end. Um, I see AI as a, it's a tool to use through the process, branding, build, uh, building brands, uh, driving commercial returns. But in itself, I don't think it can replace it. it, it just parts of it. Regulation, data, they're going to be a big, a big challenge for anyone in the financial services industry or any regulated industry. Yeah. And, and that's not going to change, of course, and shouldn't. I, I suppose my question is, you're referencing a lot of efficiencies. Mm. Uh, do you think there's any superior experience, customer experience enhancements, or is it um, a little under the hood in your uh, vision? I, I, I think for sure, Margaret. Um, but I think that will be that will, that will play out through our ability to to tailor, personalise, move more quickly through that customer experience. Um, so in itself, kind of a, a time efficiency, a relevancy gain. Um, you know, it, without a doubt, it is phenomenal at processing data very quickly, making sense of it and doing something meaningful with it, provided it's got the right controls and parameters around it. Understood. Thank you for that proviso, Chris. So, Rachel, uh, you, you were provocative in telling us your word is hype. That may require yeah. an explanation. Yeah, it might. Um, I don't think that, and I don't think hype is a negative word necessarily, but I think that there is a lot of chat about AI and there's a lot of people trying to figure out how to use it and what their goal would be to which AI is the answer. So there's a lot of pressure from boards on leadership teams on, you know, how are we using AI? What are we doing with it? And then there's a lot of pressure, I think, within organizations, particularly around CIOs, to make AI do something for the business quickly <laughs> and affordably. And I, I think there's a, you know, that, that's really tricky. We saw similar in, um, blockchain. If you remember a few years ago, people got very excited about blockchain and spent a bit of time trying to figure out how to use it. Um, and that was a real push from, from CFOs and actually sort of built a CFO developer relationship because CFOs were like, how do I use this? You know, and developers were like, this is how we can do it, you know. So I think, I think that we just need people to work through what is going to make a difference to them. And I'm really interested in that because I want to understand the category entry points. I want to understand how it drives consideration and purchase. And I want to understand how, as a business, we support customers in um, making their AI actually scale and happen for their business. So I, I'm really kind of outside in on this, trying to understand what the market actually needs and how we can serve them better and then how we build um, our brand into that 
sort of market, that market change, basically. And Rachel, you are perhaps uniquely in this context, very much a B2B business. Yeah. Do, do you think that renders itself in different contexts or is it all the same? Well, I think the difference here is that I'm in a business that will help people actually use and deploy AI. So from a brand building perspective, it's not just about how we as a business can leverage it in marketing or in the way that we work, but also about actually what products and services and features and functionality we're able to offer. So, for example, you need really big data sets for AI and because they're mainly being generated at the edge of businesses, you need to be able to harness them from edge to cloud without moving them. You need to kind of leave them where they are. But then how do you deploy AI without huge compute and supercomputing? You can't really do that unless you, you know, most people can't afford a supercomputer to process all the data. So it's how do you give people access to the technology they need to actually be able to make their AI um, initiatives really happen. So I'm focused on that because if I understand that, then I can make sure that I can address the needs and the wants of the buyer in their journey um, so they can find what they're looking for in the right way. And I think that that is a different scenario because it's a tech business and because it's B2B. We're just, we're coming at it from a slightly different angle. And when you say buyer, Rachel, do you mean your check writing buyer or your clients and consumer or customer? Well, yeah, I think it's both because I think that the buyer is, first of all, it's never one person. It's always a group of people because, you know, if you're making these kind of investments, it's the technology leader. It's also the people who want the technology for what it's going to do for them and their end customers. But it's also finance and procurement of wanting to invest. And actually with AI, what we can see is this real scrutiny from a board onto their leadership team. Um, I mean, I think the other thing is just being really careful because some brands are, I mean, in the last week alone, some of our top customers have been very clear that they don't want to be associated with any narrative around AI until people figure out what AI is really about, mainly because of the ethics and the difficulty around, um, around that. So, you know, if, when I look at these businesses that we're doing business with, what I can understand is they're trying to figure it out and we're figuring it out with them and empowering them to do it. So as a brand... I need to do this from a market-oriented way. Um, so I haven't actually come into this conversation doing my homework on thinking about how we would use it to improve our marketing other than how we actually improve it to build the relationships and make sure that the right products and services are delivered to those customers. Certainly makes sense given your context and your offering, Rachel. Thank you. So Christoph, very different world. Um, Avon. So, so tell us, you chose which word? Nervous. 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 That's um, an interesting posture for you. I don't think that's your normal state. Uh, tell us, why nervous? That's intriguing. Yeah. So actually, I went on uh, chat GPT uh, and I said, uh, can you give me one word to describe a feeling of being excited, but also a little bit scared at the same time? Uh, and it answered back the word that can describe, and I'm just reading it off now, that can describe the feeling of being excited and scared at the same time is nervous. This term suggests a mix of anticipation, eagerness, 
as well as a bit of anxiety that can arise in situations that are both thrilling and potentially risky. <laughs> so I thought it was perfect. <laughs> so give, give us an example, Christoph. I know you tend to be at the forefront of innovation of how you're applying or even thinking about AI at Avon. Yeah, and I would say, I mean, and, and, and that's why I, th I felt the word nervous was, was appropriate. I think, you know, if you, if you think about AI uh, as being, you know, computers doing tasks that typically would require some form of human intelligence or, or even skills, I think, honestly, we're, we're only scratching the surface, right? Because where I'm using it now, it's in two main areas. One is more what I would call data-driven marketing, so precision media, look-alike modeling, uh, segmentation, frequency capping, all of that stuff. You know, website UX uh, optimization, as was mentioned earlier, in terms of you know optimizing your customer journeys, making sure that they stumble across content that you know they'll be interested in. And then CRM and loyalty, you know, in terms of uh, what you do with your CRM systems, in terms of next best offer modeling, etc. So that's all under this kind of data-driven marketing uh, kind of umbrella, which I think is reasonably well embedded uh, in, in many, more and more companies now. I think the second area is, that I'm currently using it is more, uh, you know, virtual services. So we are B2B2C. And actually, we're trying to up our game into virtual services. For example, uh, you know, you take a selfie of your skin and it tells you which products uh, would be right for you or virtual try-on technology or trying to find which shade of foundation matches you so you can buy in an e-commerce environment. And that requires AI. There's lots of partners out there. I'm not developing this myself that actually uh, deliver that kind of service. So those, I would say, are the two things I'm using it for today, but I think, you know, the, I think the sky is the limit, uh, although sometimes with a bit of hype uh, and negative hype then. But uh, but I do think, uh, you know, we're only scratching the surface today. Christoph, we know as marketers, we tend to love the shiny new object. How, how, how do you think about that in the context of there's newness, there's freshness, but also fundamentals around build, building yeah. brands? And that's the thing, right? As a marketeer, uh, the moment you lose your eye on delivering value to the business, uh, you know, you're kind of, well, redundant, right? And, 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 but equally, I would say as a marketeer, you're probably also one of the very few people on an exec that actually thinks about, you know, being your own growth hacker and how you're going to create value for the future. So I think it is important you keep an eye on both. Clearly, you know, you need to deliver the bread and butter business. The way I've often, uh, you know, kind of got to a workable solution is that, of course, the vast majority of my organization is focused on the here and now delivering the business and focusing on the current fundamentals. And I would have a small incubator team, which is kind of isolated, but also connected from the business that works on developing, like the way I've implemented all of these diagnostic tools, etc., was through a little incubator team. You know, you had a regular team focusing on trading as hard as they could. And then the incubator team was thinking about how can we inject in the customer journey diagnostics in a way that adds value to the customer experience. And ultimately, of course, will deliver value to the business in terms of, you know, better customer experience, you know, better sales, all of those things. So an incubate, an incubator solution has usually worked quite well for me in the past. I want to invite everyone to just think for a moment if there's anything important we haven't covered in this whirlwind conversation. Rachel touched on ethics, 
Christoph mentioned growth. Um, anything you want to double click on that our audience of marketers uh, need to be mindful of or that's worked for you and we haven't touched on yet? I think affordability. Talk about that. I think Rachel. lots of people have amazing ideas, but can they actually afford to make it happen? That's why Christoph's thing about, you know, piloting and trialing and doing that. I, I think that's really interesting because it's proving your case before you invest in it. Yeah. Yeah. I think effectiveness. Talk more, Jason. I think ultimately, uh, I don't see it as a shiny new toy. I see it as much more than that. I'm amazed at how accessible AI has become so quickly. It's amazing that we're, you know, I think ChatGDP was the fastest growing website. It might be of the last 10 years or something like that. It's incredible. Um, it's opening up new channels to consumers. I don't think we should be, I think we should be cautious, of course, as with any new channel. And, and to Chris's point, we're dealing with sensitive customer data. Ultimately, AI is creating more effective marketing and communication. And it's allowing us in, in as creative marketers to focus our teams on the human efforts. It's nice hearing Christoph talking about getting the right tone for someone's skin and respecting their and respecting diversity in that way. That's an amazing thing that wasn't available before. So I think it allows us to spark the world of creativity, to bring our strategies to meaningful life to nuanced communities rather than treating everybody as a mass consumer. For me, that means I get a more valued and deeper relationship with customers. It means that they're more strategic, they're more involved in my brand for the longer term. And, and that really, really excites me as a marketer. I was wondering how long it would take us for someone to say creativity. So uh, thank, thank you for that. Anyone want to ever so briefly double click on the ethics component? Rachel, you brought that up. Big topic. Um, where do we, how do we, how do we think about it? Not, I don't think we're at the stage around what, it's how do we think about it from a brand building perspective? I mean, I, I, I think that anything where you are teaching a model to do something, you have to accept the limitations of how it thinks. So you, you mentioned the word creativity. What AI does is it, it isn't creative. It's quite linear. It will do what you've instructed it to do. It's the, it's the people who are around it that actually create. It's, it enables creativity and people can be creative with it. But I think it's quite sort of, it's a bit Ron seal. It does what you asked it to do. Um, you know, it does what it says on the tin. But I, I think that there is a lot of conversation going on in society as a whole about the optics, the lens through which we see life and how, you know, the history, the culture, your upbringing, you know, your, your wealth, your job, your where you live are all things that, that color your view. And I know that there are lots of ethics, um, that are having to be worked through in terms of how AI actually approaches the analysis, like how you teach it to do that. But I, I think that's normal in technology. I think there are, you know, we have a lot of water under the bridge already on having to address and think those things through. I think these just, I think this is about making sense of how do you do things differently and better? How do you deploy AI to make, make things work even better? And how do you do that in a way that's safe and reliable for everybody? I think that is, I think it's part of modern life, actually. I don't think it's a big, scary, hairy thing that's just associated with AI. I don't know what the others think, whether I'm... 
Rachel, I think, <laughs> I think you've hit the nail right on the head. And, and what I would add to that is, um, you know, I, I don't see it standing still by its very nature. What's right now might not be right tomorrow or the day after. We have to evolve with it. To, to your point of kind of around parameters, I just encourage marketers to really think about how they pop AI into use. I mean, really small example, but I think it's a really great one. It is only as good as the questions you ask of it and the parameters you pop around it. I have a 12-year-old son. Uh, a few weeks ago, we came home from school with some comments on his French homework that went along the lines of nominal work, problem, the words and language you've used are not in the UK academic syllabus at all. Uh, so what have you done? Now, he'd used ChatGTP, and afterwards I told him, well, you need to think about some parameters, ask it to write it to an age-appropriate standard, ask it to pop some mistakes in it. Uh, it was quite enlightening. I mean, this was someone who, who, who'd just gone away and done his own thing because of its growth. But it is dangerous, but so powerful if used correctly. Thank you. And just to build on that, Chris, somebody said uh, to me yesterday even, uh, said, you know, the people who will win or the businesses that will win leveraging AI are the ones who are the best at prompting the AI in the right way. It's all about asking the right questions. Uh, and, you know, the, your son has clearly <laughs> evidenced that. Awesome. So pre-parenting advice as well. <laughs> Wonderful. So I'm going to invite all of you to answer very briefly one final question. And, and most of you know that I believe organizations are largely defined by the commitments they make. So my question is, as a brand building tool, What's your commitment to AI and how will you measure success? Acknowledging, as you said earlier, we're in the early days. Jason, please. Well, I'm hugely committed. And, and maybe to clarify the point on creativity that didn't clearly land, but it allows my team to once again become creative rather than to become data clerks, which was the most, you know, I've been, the, the last 10 years was the most boring period of marketing and brand management I've ever experienced, to be honest with you. Chris, please. The challenges I touched upon is finding out the right applications and the right time to apply them. Um, if I think about commercial success or what good looks like, um, again, I mentioned this earlier. Personally, I think I've got to look broader. So if we pop it to use, unless it is driving more value, and that can appear through many different facets, but an aggregate level, if I can't drive more value with the resource the team's got as a consequence of its implementation, then it's failed. Rachel. I just want to keep understanding how customers actually want to use it and then help them find exactly what they need as quickly and easily as possible. So my commitment is to, is to continuing to listen to what drives their consideration and what is what their view of how it's going to be successful. Christoph. Uh, and yeah, from my perspective, you know, high commitment and, you know, clearly continue to do the things that I've mentioned before. But I do think, as I mentioned before as well, uh, we're only scratching the surface. So for me, you know, the next stages would be, you know, how do I even augment those virtual reality experiences with the beauty products? How, you know, how do we go from just stitching you know, a visual and a headline together uh, that you already have pre-programmed into your digital, uh, in your DAM, uh, rather than completely, you know, AI generated visuals. Uh, in terms of how to define the success is clearly, 
Is it driving sales and profit? Is it driving customer satisfaction? And in my case also, is it driving representative satisfaction as we're B2B to C? But that's ultimately what I'm looking for. So in thanking our panel, my top takeaway is a sense that AI can provide marvelous possibilities. I'm reminded of Emily Dickinson's poem. I dwell in possibilities, a fairer house than prose, more numerous of windows, superior for doors. In her house of poetry, there is limitless imagination. As we heard in this conversation when applied to brand building, AI can unlock immense opportunity, remove the drudgery of mundane tasks, when we invite in multiple perspectives, experiment with emerging technologies, and keep an eye on the customer and the business goals. To experience her fairer house, we need an open mind and a solid foundation in the fundamental truths of brands and human nature. Thank you very much. I'm Margaret Molloy, CMO of Siegel & Gale, wishing everyone a very instructive Advertising Week Europe. Thank you. Thank you for joining How CMOs Commit. You've heard the strategic insights and professional commitments of top brand builders from around the world. I hope you also enjoyed my reflections on how this conversation is relevant to all marketers. Subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcast or your favorite podcast app. And please rate, review and share this podcast. Until next time, this is how CMOs connect.